He set me free, yeah, he 
you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice telling the same old lies. If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. You got there. what I would measure as a good week this week spiritually. God has reached into my life in a variety of ways this week to make His presence known, and I want to thank Him for that this morning. I want to thank Him for the way that, that He is mindful of us and how He is continually bringing His redemptive love to our lives. And sometimes it comes in, in ways that we kind of expected it, but then other times it comes from a direction that we, well, we weren't prepared. And yet when, when it happened, we knew that Jesus had just passed by and that He had touched our lives. And I've had some of those moments this week. 
And it made me think about the fact that, that when we come and, and, and we have church on Sunday and when we have our Bible studies on Wednesday, uh, Lord, help us to be mindful that we're not here just to sing about Jesus or to talk about Jesus, but we're here to sing to Him. And we're here to talk with Him and have Him touch our lives. And there are things going on in all of our, our lives uh, in an ongoing fashion that make us mindful of the fact that we need Him in our lives. We need His touch. We need His healing. We need His redemption, that He would uh, save us from that which Satan is using to try to destroy us. And so I want this morning to just slow down for a minute before I get to the message. And I, I want you to be with Him. I don't want us just to talk about Him. I want you to be with Him in this moment. Because He promised that when we come together in His name, if there's only just two or three of us who are doing that, He said, I am with you. I am in your midst. I remember when I was a little kid, and we'd go to Nana's. They lived on a farm. And there were so many things for me to do as an elementary age kid when we would get to the farm. I could just run free and they had an old barn and an old shed next to the house. And usually I would run to those places before I'd ever go in the house. And I, I can remember uh, mom and dad at times saying, now wait a minute, before you run off and, and start playing, you're going to come in and say hi to Nana. And it brought me back as a kid that we, we were there not just to play, not just to have a good time on the farm, but we were there to see Nana and my grandpa uh, his name was Verley. I asked him one time, I said, how did you get a name like that? He said, it's biblical. Verley, Verley, I say unto you. <laughs> and he was, he was a character. But, but mom and dad reminded me, we're here to visit your Nana and Verley. You go in and speak to them before you, before you take off to the, to the old barn. There were treasures in that old barn. I know about things that were in the attic of that old barn that I think none of them knew about. Uh, things that had been left behind by previous uh, tenants of, of that particular farm. But I was called back to the remember. We're here because of our relationship with Nan and Verley, not because it's just fun to come and be in the atmosphere of the farm. We're here with Jesus. We're not just with each other, even though that's very special. And we're not just at church, but we are here gathered in His name, and He's here. And here's an opportunity week after week for us to make that personal connection that is available to us. What would you like to give to Him this morning? Praise? A burden? An impossible situation that's getting worse every day and not any better? What would you... What, what do you want to give to Jesus this morning? The psalmist said, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and He answered me from His holy hill. And then in Colossians, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. I went to a funeral the other day. 
I did not have any ministerial responsibilities at that funeral. I just attended the funeral of a friend, an old friend. And when I got up that day and, and was planning my day around the fact that I would need to get ready and go to that funeral, my mindset was really kind of like, uh, I'm just going to go and be at this funeral and pay my respects and offer my condolences and be supportive to the family and, uh, and then I'll be, you know, I'll go home, take my preacher clothes off and go about my day. It was my day off. And uh, I went to the funeral and I went into the church after I greeted the family and I took a seat on the back row and one of our church members was there at the funeral and, and walked by and said, oh, you're being a Baptist today. I said, I'm not preaching today, so I'm on the back row. That's, that's just the way I'm wired, so I'm on the back row. And um, I looked at the program, and it was a liturgical church, so there were a lot of readings and a lot of things that were going to happen that are different than the way we do funerals here at First Church and in other Church of God congregations. Um, and I read through the readings, and, and I, uh, I was blessed by the readings that were there, readings from the Old Testament, the New Testament, readings from the Gospel. And uh, so I read all of it ahead of time, and then we started going through the service. And as we're going through the service, uh, I had noticed in the program that there was going to be communion. And, um, and so then the pastor at the very beginning of the service explained that if you were a baptized believer from whatever denomination, that you were welcome to receive communion. But if you were not baptized, please, you know, do not receive communion. And uh, so then they gave instructions on how communion was going to go. Now, I'm on the back row. I'm, you know, I'm kind of wanting to fly under the radar. And I'm thinking, I really don't want to go up front. Uh, they offered that uh, old people... Um, could take communion at their seat, and I thought, you know, come on. You know? And the Lord just was nudging me, no, you're going to go up. You're going to go up. Lord, I just want to sit back here. I don't want to go up. You're going to go up. And so I, I went up. I didn't know when I went to the service that day how God was going to intersect my life. I was going to do the right thing as a, as a friend, as a believer, uh, not the preacher, no part in the service. I'm there solely to be there. I, I had a spiritual blessing that came to me from being there. Because as we went through the service and the Scriptures are being read after I've already read them, God is just connecting with me. He's showing me pieces of these Scriptures that were meant for my soul. Not for me to prepare a message. Because we preachers, it's difficult to read a passage without thinking, oh man, I see an outline there. You know, I see a, I see a Bible study there. I see a message there. I see an application there. God allowed me in this, in this funeral Friday just to, just to be ministered to. And I, I didn't realize how much I was needing that. And when I went up to the altar 
It was not mine to offer the communion or to lead the service. It was mine just to kneel there at that altar and to hold my hands out to receive the bread and then to take the cup and receive. Um, this church used wine and not grape juice. When you think you're going to get Welch's <laughs> and you get Cabernet, that can be a spiritual experience as well. But as I received, the pastor laid, the, it was a, one of the wafers, the thin wafers, and he laid, as he came down the altar, the body of Christ. When I held out my cup and the next minister came by and poured and said, the blood of Christ. Isn't it amazing how we rush by that so often? It's amazing how it becomes a part of a service rather than a spiritual moment. Thank God for the times when it is a spiritual moment and it's not just something to get through. You know, how, how many times do, do we have communion in church and, and sometimes we're thinking, oh, this is going to take a while. True? I, I wonder how they're going to, I wonder what the logistics are going to be on this. What do I do with this cup after I'm done? Isn't it, am I right? We're all over the place. And I'm thankful that Friday God brought me back to the body of Christ. The blood of Christ. And when I share with you this morning, I share from my heart, from what I felt in that service. It's not the service that was delivered, but this is what I felt in, in my life. I thought, Lord, I thank You for the life that comes with faith. I thank You, Lord, that You deposit in us a, a capability to see You and to believe in You. And I thank You for the life not life in general, but for life that comes because of that faith that God has entrusted to us. The, the, kind, of, the kind of faith that allows us to gather, like, like I said earlier, for a weekend of softball and to be able to see beyond the softball to the spiritual essence of that weekend. That's what I'm talking about. Faith that brings life. Faith that takes us out of the mundane. Faith that, that delivers us into the divine existence that God has blessed us with. Peter said it this way. He says that because of, because of His touch upon our lives, He has allowed us to, to share in His divine energy, if you will. That we are able to get outside of the work-a-day existence that is so often ours to get to another plane and to be able to see things that are beyond this world. I am thankful for faith that brings that kind of life to existence. Because without that, we're just like the animals. And there are a lot of people who are living like animals because they have not been brought to the faith that has delivered that kind of life to their experience. Don't take that for granted. The fact that you see Jesus for who He is and you believe in what He can do in your life, that is a gift. 
that allows you to live on a plane that many are not experiencing today. I am thankful for a faith that brings that kind of life. I am thankful for the peace that comes with having a hope that is sure. Because sometimes life is just tough. But there is that hope that is planted in us because of who Jesus is and what He is up to that allows us in the midst of a storm to have a deep settled peace. That everything's going to be alright even if being alright is on the other side of the curtain. I mean, don't take that for granted. The fact this morning that in Christ we are saved for the eternity that He has prepared for us means that no matter what the enemy would use against us, it cannot separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And that brings us to a, a peace that passes all understanding. That, the kind of peace that settles on us when others would be falling apart in, in, in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And they look at us and say, how in the world can you be so calm? Because I know I am the Lord's. Whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. And that hope brings a settled peace to our lives that is an incredible thing to know. Because this morning there are people everywhere trying to escape their circumstances through substance abuse and through all kinds of things that the enemy offers. But you and I find that the best escape of all is to hide in the arms of Jesus. And to know that He has us and He will get us to where He wants us to be, whatever that plan is, in any given moment. But then also, the comfort that comes with love. It is an amazing thing to be loved, and it is an amazing thing to love others. It's, it's, it's amazing to be able to have that kind of connection in life. To know, first of all, that we're loved by God, but then also to know that we are surrounded by people, even right here in this room, who really care about us. People who pray for us. People who would come running with a moment's notice that we needed their help. It's an amazing thing to have that kind of love to be poured out in our lives. Lord, help me to love others the way that I would like for them to, to love me, to treat others the way that I would like for them to treat me. Lord, help me not always to be looking for what others can do for me, but help me to be looking for an opportunity to give myself away in behalf of those that You have put all around me in this life. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I found it so. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas morning so I could rip into those gifts. Now that I'm a grandpa, I can't wait for Christmas morning so I can watch them tear into those gifts. Because it's more fun to watch my kids and my grandkids 
receive the expressions of love that Becky and I offer. It's more fun to watch that exchange than to receive that which is offered in love to us. It's amazing. There is a comfort that comes with with being loved. Comfort. To feel at ease because of the expressions of kindness that are being poured out in our behalf from heaven, but also from those that we know in relationship on this earth. Over and over again, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament used that trilogy that I've used this morning. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. He used it over and over and over again. I challenge you to go through the books that were written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and see how many occurrences you find in Corinthians and in Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and and Galatians. Look for faith. It's there. Over and over and over again, Paul brings in that faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Why is that? It was not just a theological thing. It It was an expression of the fullness that he had received from the hand of God in his life. And he saw it everywhere. And it's incredible to go through life with that kind of an attitude toward life. Remember, Paul wrote on one occasion and said, if there's anything worthy, if there's, if there's anything that you're going to think about, think about the good things. And that's what he did. He went through life looking for those expressions of faith, hope, and love that were there bearing witness to the reality of God's presence in our lives. I pray that as we live another week, that we would see God that we would notice Him as He's passing by, as He's making His presence known. That that we would not just be those people who are encumbered with religious duty, but that we would be people who live in the middle of the relationship that God is offering us. Making a list of spiritual to-do items is a cheap substitute for being in the presence of the Almighty. But as I, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, i got to tell you, being in the presence of the Almighty takes intention on our part and it takes dedication on our part. Yeah. And we're in such a big hurry these days that many times we're walking right past our opportunity to be in the very presence of the resurrected Christ. And we allow ourselves to be sated with, satisfied with reading something about Him rather than taking time to actually be in His presence. I think it was John Wesley that made this commitment in his life. He said, I have determined to have no other books on my desk except for the Bible. And until the Bible has mastered me and I have mastered it, I have time for no other books. And really what he was saying is, I'm tired of reading about, I'm tired of talking about, I am hungry to experience the living presence of God as He would reveal Himself to me through His Word. And know this, to make that kind of dedication, to make that kind of commitment, 
requires singleness of focus and a determination to take the time to experience His presence. No wonder Paul said, pray without ceasing. Because really what he was saying is, until all of life becomes focused on God and on what He is wanting to bring to our lives, until that is the single pursuit of our lives and everything else has become peripheral, has become secondary, until we get to that place, we may be in the very room where Jesus is and never really see Him. I know life has a lot of demands. I get that. I know that we preachers have somewhat of an advantage. I, I understand that because we, we are called and we are even taken care of as far as our worldly needs are concerned that we might be able to focus on God and His Word and be a, a servant of God for the sake of His people. And I, and I get that we have, we have an advantage there. I know you're raising kids and you're working jobs and you're, you're doing everything you can. To meet all the needs that are represented for the people that are under your care. But, More than anything in this world, we need Jesus. Amen. More than anything in this world, we need Jesus. I was going through my personal file in the office the other day. I've got a personal file in my desk drawer, and, and I've put different things there. And I was looking for something that I needed um, for a task that was at hand. And as I was going through it, I, I didn't find what I was looking for, but I found all these different letters I've gotten um, uh, and different certificates I've received. And I, I've got a copy of the recommendations that were made by ministers when I was uh, ordained into the ministry, and, and they are treasures to me. I had Dr. Boyer filled out one of them, my pastoral ministries professor, and he is one of my heroes. And and Brother Towers, the, the man who was my pastor when I got saved, he filled out one of them. And, and, and then uh, another minister that I knew in the state at that time filled out another one. And, and I'm reading it and I'm thinking, wow, what a treasure to have these things. Um, and then the Lord just pressed upon my heart, you know, all of these things. And they are special. But nothing is as special. as the body and the blood and what has happened for me because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Because one day everything else will be left behind when I wing my way toward home. Yes. 
And the only thing that will matter when I'm standing at the gate is the body and the blood. He is the one who gives us faith. He is the one who gives us hope. He is the one who has poured out His great love in our lives. And as a result of all of that, we have life. We have peace. We have a comfort that goes beyond anything else that we could ever know. And all because one day, the Holy Spirit allowed us to see Jesus for who He really is. And we walked away from everything else in that moment to follow Him. My question is, are you still following Him? And if not, are you going to do anything about it? He is all I need. Father, this morning, we quiet ourselves before You to thank You for being a shield about us, for the glory that You've brought to our lives, for the way that You have lifted our heads, for answering our cry for, for help and salvation. And Lord, I pray this morning, if there is anyone in this room who is not trusting in Your body that was offered on the cross and Your blood that was spilled at that cross, if there's anyone here who has not expressed their faith in the salvation that is offered because of that sacrifice that today they would come to You and be saved, Lord, that today we would see the life that You're offering us, that today we would have done with lesser things, that we would understand that if we gain the whole world and lose our souls, it profits us nothing. Help us to care less about success and more about significance. Help us to care less about the world and its ways and its possessions and help us to care more about heaven and the kingdom of God. Give us faith that we might believe in Jesus, the only Savior. And find faith, hope, and love in abundance as a result. Amen. The altars are open if you want to pray about anything. It can be in response to the message. It can be something that has nothing to do with the message. But if the Spirit is calling you to pray and this is where you need 
to pray. If that's what you feel as the Spirit moves in our lives, then come, the altars are open. But this morning, let your life be all about Jesus and watch what happens as a result.
I belong.